Welcome back to the Yellow Box Podcast. This week, we're joined by our lead pastor, Dave Ferguson, as we begin a brand new series, The Power of One. For more information, please visit us at www.communitychristian.org. And remember, you can always find us on Sundays at the Yellow Box at 9.30 a.m., 11.15 a.m., and 5 p.m. We hope to see you there. Hello, community. I'm Dave Ferguson, and I'm your lead pastor. And to get us started, I want to give you some mission statements, and I want you to try and guess the name of the company or organization that they go with. All right, now you can turn to someone next to you, tell them the answer, but I'm going to give you a few. You ready? All right, here we go. First one, to inspire and nurture the human spirit. One person, one cup, one neighborhood at a time. Anybody guess Starbucks? I think the one cup may have gave that one away. All right, here we go. Here's the next one. To refresh the world in mind, body, and spirit. To inspire moments of optimism and happiness. Anybody guess? No, it's not me. Coca-Cola. All right, there you go. Okay, next one. You can turn to people next to you and just kind of guess what these are. To organize the world's information and make it universally accessible and useful. Did you guess Google? Or did you Google it? All right, last one. Here we go. Helping people find their way back to God. All right. I think everybody probably, hopefully, hopefully everybody got that one. And actually, I am very partial towards this last one. And the reason is this. To the core of my being, I am absolutely convinced that is the most important mission in the entire world. Now, almost every organization has some kind of mission statement. And for some, it could be just kind of a slogan that they they slap on a product, or maybe it's even just a tab on a website. But here's what's different about our mission statement. I don't want it just to be kind of your church's mission statement. I actually want it to be our, yours, my mission statement. And for that reason, I think the most important question, and we have to answer this question, is this. Are we, are you and I, are we actually living out this mission? I want us, I want us to be a church full of people, every location, every person, who's passionately committed to this mission of helping people, your friends, your neighbors, your family members, co-workers, helping them find their way back to God. And that is what the One Initiative is all about. Almost a year ago, we launched the One Initiative, the most significant and impactful initiative in our history. And we have two goals for the One Initiative. The first one is this. First, that we would make God number one in our lives. And then the second goal is that we would be one, as a church, advancing that mission together. Now, this first goal is all about our spiritual growth. This is about what God wants to do in us. And what we want to see is 100% of us, everyone who attends Community Christian Church, make God number one in his or her life. Now, when we talk about making God number one, most people think that it means I, you know, I take a piece of paper and a pen, and I begin to make a list of all my priorities. We've all done this, you know. Saving for stuff I want that's really cool, that's number five. Uh, Health and fitness, that's my number four priority. And I continue to make my list work and advancing at work, that becomes number three. And then family and friends and relationships, that's number two. And then I finally get to number one and I write God. God is number one. And then I take this piece of paper and I show it to God and I say, See God, you're number one. No, that's not making God number one. Why? Because I'm the one still making the list. And if I'm the one making the list, 
then that means I'm number one and God is just merely something on my list. To make God number one means that you take the piece of paper and you take the pen and then you hand it to God and you say, okay, God, you're number one, you're Lord, you're leader of my life. You determine my priorities. You fill this out. And then you let me know what my priorities are and that's how I will live. And then God creates the list of priorities and he hands it back to me. And when I take it and I live it out, what he's given to me, that's how I make God number one. And when it comes to our first goal, there's some really good news. But I also have a challenge for some of you. You see, the best way, especially as Americans, that we can measure our commitment to making God number one is through our generosity. And here's the good news. The good news is this. This past year, we had a record number of people make financial commitments to one. And if that's you, thank you. You're you're people who prayed, sought God in faith, and you made a sacrifice. And, And even more good news is after almost a year, you are fulfilling your commitment. And so thank you again for that. But here's the challenge. The challenge is this. There's a whole bunch of us who are new to community and some of us who are still deciding if you're on mission with us. And here's the truth in love. If you're going to make God number one, it has to show up in every area of your life, including your finances. And so on March 19th, as a church, we're going to give you the opportunity to give God a commitment card and a pen and say, God, You're number one. You decide what I should give. You tell me. Now, our second goal is that we would be one in advancing our mission. If the first one is about what God wants to do in us, this is about what God wants to do through us. And overall, as we approach the halfway point of the One Initiative, the results have been very impressive. The second goal has three different categories. Reach, restore, and reproduce. We want to reach thousands more and help them find their way back to God. And through one, we are seeing that happen. In 2016, we had more people say yes to Jesus and be baptized than ever before. We had 421 baptisms last year. And how about our Blast Winter Retreat? What an awesome event. We had about 1,200 students and leaders that went away on our winter retreat. And three weeks ago, we baptized 49 more people, most of them students from Blast. And as a result of one, we were able to purchase and move into a 90,000 square foot facility in Plainfield. We're averaging more than 1,700 every Sunday at that location. At Christmas, we had more than 2,500. We are seeing lots and lots of people finding their way back to God. We also want to restore communities locally and globally. Last year was our ninth celebration generosity and we had our largest number of first time givers ever. To date, we've given away $4.6 million to causes outside of ourselves. And our Christmas gift mark was also our largest ever, serving 10 schools, more than 1,600 families, collecting more than 11,400 toys. And together, we're now supporting more than 800 children through Compassion International, giving them food, education, hope more than ever before. And it doesn't stop there. As a part of one, we want to reproduce two new community locations and start 10 brand new churches. And we're right on pace to reach our goal. Through our Leadership Training Center this past year, we helped start two new churches on the south side of Chicago, another in the Ukrainian village in Chicago, and still another in suburban Streamwood. Two more churches internationally, one in the Philippines and one in Nicaragua. And in case you missed the big news, we're starting a brand new community location in Downers Grove. And then New Thing. New Thing has grown to more than 1,100 reproducing churches 
with plans to plant 10,000 new churches. All of that in year one. So what's in store for year two? We'll continue to reach by expanding our kids' city space in Yorkville and securing a 24-7 space in Lincoln Park. These are two great locations that are both growing and we need to get them into that new space if we're serious about helping people find their way back to God. We will also continue to restore communities, both locally and globally, through celebration generosity, our Christmas gift mark, and our partnership with Compassion, and continue to reproduce by starting five more churches and one more community location. So how are we going to do that? Over the next four weeks, we're inviting everyone who calls community their church home on a journey of faith as we learn from an Old Testament hero, Abraham. Then at the end of this series, on March 19th, We're going to ask every person to make a commitment that represents God being number one in their lives and being one on this mission together. We're praying that through this Power of One series, God will speak to each and every one of us. There are some of you who are new to community who are still deciding whether you're going to be on this mission with us. As we go through this series, we hope you are inspired to step out in faith and make a one commitment for the final 12 months of this initiative. I want you to experience the spiritual growth that comes from making God number one and the excitement of being on this mission together. There are others of us, like myself, who made a commitment a year ago. And today, I want to say a resounding thank you. Thank you. No doubt God is doing a work in you, and He's definitely doing a work through you. For some of you, I know this journey has not been easy. Things have come up that you didn't expect, things you never anticipated. My hope for you is that during this series, that God will empower you to finish strong. Then there are others of us who made a commitment to one who've had an increase in faith or in finances. And it's not that making your one commitment was easy because likely it required a lot of trust and a lot of sacrifice. Sue and I, we stepped out and took the boldest step of faith we've ever taken with our generosity. And I'll tell you, there's some parts that have not been easy. But we so love what God's doing here at Community and around the world, we want to increase our one commitment. And maybe that's you too. Our prayer is that this series will inspire you to trust God in a way that you've never trusted Him before. So as each one of us prays for the next step on our one journey, let's look at the life and journey of Abraham. Well, good morning again. Good to see you all. The story that Dave mentioned, the story about a man named Abraham, takes place in Genesis chapter 12. Uh, but to really understand it, we need to go back to Genesis chapter 11, to understand some context. So here's sort of the scene. Uh, the people of God had been commanded to go to every corner of the earth to scatter and populate the earth, but they got a bit distracted along the way. And so they decided to sort of settle in a really nice grassy plain and build for themselves a tower to the heavens. And the passage literally reads, let us build a tower to make a name for ourselves. So they get distracted on this mission that God had called them to in order to make a name for themselves. This tower was an act of independence and rebellion against God. So what God does is he confuses their language and he introduces emojis for the first time. (laughs) So confusing. (laughs) Genesis 11 then goes on to describe this lineage of the family line of God, the family line from a man named Shem, and it pretty much reads, so-and-so was about 30 years old, and then they had some other children, and -and so-and-so was about 30 years old, until we get to a character named Abraham. Now, Abraham's name means father, but his life sort of feels like a cruel joke at this point, because Abraham is 75 years old, and he doesn't yet have any children. 
In fact, his wife, Sarah, can't have children. So this man whose name is Father doesn't have kids, can't have kids, and it kind of looks like the end of the line for Abraham. So you have rebellion and barrenness as Genesis 11 ends. And the picture honestly looks pretty bleak. It sort of looks like there's no real hope. And I want to I pause there for a moment because I know that there are people in this room that probably feel a lot like that. Like you feel like your situation is bleak and that you're without hope. Maybe it's a, a job market that's withering. Maybe it's the promise of a child not yet realized. Maybe it's a relationship that's beginning to fracture and fall apart. Maybe it's a diagnosis from a doctor that says it's just not looking good. I think, I think a lot of us know what it's like to live in the tension of Genesis 11 when it feels like hope is just simply lost. But for anyone who might feel that way, though, I think it's very important that we turn the page to Genesis 12. Because right in the middle of this hopelessness, God issues a promise. Here's what it reads. The Lord said to Abram, go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all the peoples on earth will be blessed through you. Okay, so quick time out. Some of you are like, uh, who the heck is Abram, right? Abram, Abraham. It's actually going to be a couple of chapters before God changes uh, Abram's name to Abraham and Sarai's name to Sarah. But for the sake of continuity, I'm just going to call him Abraham because that's going to get confusing real quick. But in the middle of this hopelessness, this bleak circumstance, God comes to Abraham and he invites him on this crazy journey. He invites him to leave everything and everyone he's ever known in order to live on mission with God. And this mission is what? That he would be blessed, his descendants would be a great family, and that the entire planet would be blessed through them. So how does Abraham respond? So Abram went as the Lord had told him, and Lot with him. Abram was 75 years old when he set out from Haran. He took his wife Sarai, his nephew Lot, all of the possessions they had accumulated and the people they had acquired in Haran, and they set out for the land of Canaan, and they arrived there. So Abraham accepts this crazy invitation. He doesn't know all the details. God doesn't hand him a blueprint But he steps out in faith. And now in the weeks ahead, we're going to get to know Abraham a whole lot more as we kind of unpack this story. We'll see that the road was not always smooth. Like the very next verse isn't, and everything was wonderful. There's some bumps and bruises along the way. But here in Genesis 12, though, we see that Abraham makes God number one. And not like in the way that we make the list, as Dave mentioned, but he says to God, all right. If this is the journey, if this is the mission, if this is the road, I will follow. So as we look at the story of Abraham, just at the beginning of his narrative here, I have just three quick takeaways. The first is this. The mission is a promise, not a punishment. The mission is a promise, not a punishment. 
I think it's easy to see what Abram did as, as really courageous, like really heroic, right, setting out on this journey. And, and honestly, in some ways it kind of is, right? That's a pretty big risk. But think about it, though. Why stay in despair and sorrow? Like, why stay in a situation that he knew wasn't really going anywhere? There's no question that it was scary. There's no question that it required faith to trust God into the unknown. But we don't have to be afraid to trust an unknown future to a known God. And Abraham beautifully communicates that to us. He's not given every step. He's not given every detail, but he steps out. Now, I mean, I'll be honest. There are times where the call on our lives feels just too hard, doesn't it? Too extreme or too costly. And I think we often see it in that light as opposed to an opportunity that God might be calling us into something wonderful. So let's, let me ask you this. Do you see this one journey as something God wants from you? Or do you recognize it as an opportunity that God wants something for you? Is it possible that in stepping out in faith, God wants to open up our eyes to the beauty of his presence all around us? Number two, second challenge is this. The mission is fulfilled in God's power, not our potential. Now, I know this might be hard for some of us to hear because we live in a culture where everyone gets a ribbon and a trophy for everything always. But ultimately, this promise is not fulfilled uh, because we're awesome. It's fulfilled because God is awesome. Like, this isn't in the text, but do you think that maybe, maybe, Abraham, maybe Abraham had a, just a little bit of a question as to whether or not this was possible? Like at 75 years old, do you think he was like, really? Is that really gonna, like those of you that aren't sure if that's true, go ask your grandparents if they thought maybe that was hard to believe. So let me ask you this. Are you looking at this one initiative as something you have to do? Or will you trust in the power of God to do the unimaginable? To do the unimaginable in and through us. See, this, this one journey is about all of us, 100% of us trusting God and his power. I mean, Dave mentioned, even just look at this last year, 421 baptisms, five new church plants, millions of dollars given to the mission. Again, those things don't happen because we're awesome, because you're awesome or I'm awesome. They happen because God's awesome. And the third takeaway is this. The mission establishes a family before it changes the world. Establishes a family before it changes the world. I hope you pick up on this. Because in the midst of this broken, barren, difficult, heartbreaking circumstance, God sought to create a family. And the promise is that all the nations on the earth will be blessed. Every person. So let me pause and just ask one more question. Because I know that in this room, we have a lot of different backgrounds, right? Different political backgrounds, different racial backgrounds, different ethnic backgrounds, different socioeconomic backgrounds. Personally, I, I think the enemy would like nothing more than to divide us on those differences. To look at one another as the enemy. 
as someone to be feared or avoided. I think the best way to take down a family is to fracture it, right? But God is calling us together as one. And when we do that as one family, with all of us making one, that's when I believe we will change the world. Not because we're awesome, because God is awesome. So I want to introduce you to two members of our family who have decided to take this one journey with us. And I hope that their story inspires you. I'm Ruben Torado. This is my wife, Diane. We've had three awesome kids, and we've been coming to community for about seven years now. We was going to community in Naperville probably twice a month, once a month. We live in Joliet, and from Joliet to Naperville, it's about like 45 minutes. So we wasn't really involved at church. Um, we were just coming because we love the message and the music, but it wasn't a priority for us then. I heard here in Naperville there the the church was going to go to a mission trip. That trip, when I went there, I was thinking that I was just going to give love to everyone. I was thinking I was going to give something to someone. But in reality, I was going to receive something. And that was what it changed our life. Uh, as much as we, we love the yellow box, uh, you, when the opportunity came to go you know, check out the Plainfield campus with John, um, you know, that definitely worked out a lot better for us. We were a lot closer to home. It, it felt like we were closer to the community. We could actually make small group meetings. <laughs> <laughs> we started attending Plainfield, and he started doing sound. I joined the Connect team. It makes me feel like I'm working for God, and I'm bringing people back to God, and it's a community, it's a family. It, it doesn't feel like a church. It feels like family like home every time i show up to to a rehearsal um you know i get this warm and fuzzy feeling inside and i'm ready to go and i know it's for god and i get so excited and i get pumped up and i just put everything i can you know into that board we were tithing we were giving our 10 percent, but it wasn't consistent then i start hearing about the one the one commitment and i start seeing everything that the church was doing and then I realized that the church is stand behind everything that they say they were going to do. I'm like, we are doing all of this? What am I doing? I have to do what I have to do. <laughs> and I had to put God first. And the funny part um, was that when we actually made the commitment to start doing that, it was when, when we only had one income at home. So for you to make a commitment and be like, you know what, I'm going to give God where it belongs to him, and I need to do it because we want to help people get back to God. But at the same time, it's like, well, we, know, we have only one income. How are we going to do that? I'd see her starting to write out the number, and oh, okay. And then there was another number. And, uh, you know, after having a conversation earlier that week about money, you know, I was thinking, why write in that other number? Every time I write it, I was you know what, God, you go first. You're going to take care of the rest. You go first. You're going to take care of the rest. And sometimes you have, you know, some doubts because you are human. Once we give him what is his to help his people, he will bless you. And he will do anything he needs to do to take care of you. He said he will take care of us. As we give more, I, I'm starting to receive more. We, we are starting to receive more. You know, so that's just, to me, that's just amazing. Yes, sometimes it can be a little scary when you say, you know what, I don't have a lot, how I'm going to do that. 
But once you trust God, you're going to see how He's going to unfold all these blessings. And it's not even monetary blessings. It's your heart is going to change. You know, your life is going to change. We, we, have, we have been blessed uh, ever since we, we've started giving. We've just been blessed. Every time there's been a situation where we thought we were a little tight, God comes through. Don't be afraid. I, 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 that's my advice because I've been there. I've been there where I didn't have anything and I was afraid to give one dollar. Don't be afraid because God knows what he's doing. God, God is number, number one, one and, and we, we are, are one on this mission. mission. What a great example from our own family of making God number one and advancing the mission of helping people find their way back to God. How do we all get in on that? It happens when we become a family who individually and corporately say, I'm going to make God number one. Now, you might be new to community or new to the One Initiative, but you're a part of this family. Will you say, I'm in, I'm making God number one? Or maybe you made a commitment a year ago, and since then, I mean, it's been a real challenge. Will you say, with God's help, in His power, I will finish strong? Or maybe you made a commitment, but you're sensing God's calling you to even greater generosity. See, our prayer is that every one of us will say, God is number one, and I want to help people find their way back to Him. Let me wrap up by telling you a story about Pastor Akash. I met him last month on my trip to India, and perhaps more than anyone I've met in a very long time, he challenged me to really think about what it means to make God number one. Akash started a church in his little village, and within almost no time, he had 200 people, 200 people he had helped find their way back to God. But at the same time, there were some Hindu extremists who felt very threatened by the change that was happening in this small town. And one day, Akash's wife fell very ill. And so he put her on the back of his motorcycle to take her to the hospital. On the way to the hospital, 15 people wearing masks forced them off the road and attacked them and beat him and his wife, leaving Akash unconscious. Three days later, he woke up in the hospital. His first concern was for his wife, but his family had to tell him she didn't make it, that she'd been killed. Because in that part of the world, they can't afford to embalm. They had to have the funeral for his wife on the day she died. Akash had also missed her funeral. My friend, Dr. Ajay Lal, who works with church planters in that part of central India, went to console Akash. And he said, I want to help you. Where would you like to go now? And Akash replied, I want to go back. I want to go back to my village and my people and tell them about my Jesus. Today, in that little town, every week more than 1,500 people gather as a part of his church. 1,500 people that Akash has helped find their way back to God. I'm telling you, meeting Akash challenged me to really consider what does it mean to make God number one. And my hope is it will do the same for you. God is inviting me and you and us on a journey of faith. And it's a journey that comes with a mission that can change the world. Let's set out on this journey together as one.